Chapter Three of There Are Realistic Alternatives. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Benjamin Gittens. There Are Realistic Alternatives by Dr. Jean Sharp. Chapter Three steps in strategic planning for non-violent struggles against repressive regimes non-violent struggle is a technique for conducting conflicts by social psychological economic and political methods of protest non-cooperation and disruptive intervention it is a technique built on the social, economic, and political application of basic human stubbornness, the determination and ability to dissent, to refuse to cooperate, to defy, and to disrupt. In other words, people may refuse to do things they are asked to do, and may do what they are forbidden to do. All governments rely on cooperation and obedience for their very existence. When people choose to withhold or withdraw that cooperation, governments are left without any pillars to support their weight. Nonviolent struggle has been applied in various types of conflicts throughout human history to resist oppression, undermine dictatorships, oppose foreign occupations, defend detested minorities, and to expand freedom. Such struggles in the past have largely been the result of intuition, chance events, improvisation, and people acting without clearly identifying their objectives or without understanding what was really required to achieve them. Some of these struggles displayed a degree of tactical or short-term planning, but a very few operated under grand strategic plans for the development and conduct of the overall struggle. Now, groups engaged in non-violent struggle no longer need to reinvent the wheel. Through deeper understanding of this technique, the sharing of this knowledge and the use of strategic or long-term planning, non-violent struggle is becoming more effective. Elements of Strategic Planning The following are some of the key elements requiring attention when planning a non-violent struggle. Phase 1. Initial Assessment and Analysis 1. Examine the issues at stake as seen by both sides. 2. Prepare an analysis of the cultural, political and socio-economic systems present in the society or country as well as the population distribution. 3. Prepare a strategic estimate, meaning identify the strengths and weaknesses of both sides to the conflict. This includes identification of the sources of power for the contending sides 
and the institutions that serve as their pillars of support, an analysis of resources available to or controlled by each side, an examination of the degrees of dependency each side has on the other for meeting particular needs, and the relative struggle power of the two sides. 4. Identify which of the opponent's sources of power can be best targeted to be weakened or removed. 5. Identify and examine the potential roles and attitudes of third parties to the conflict, including the non-committed population at large. 6. Identify other external factors affecting possible courses of action, geography, weather, climate, infrastructure, etc. 7. Identify what other kinds of pressures may lead to gaining the resistors' objectives. 8. Examine the above factors to identify whether existing conditions are favourable or unfavourable to conducting a non-violent struggle within a particular time frame. Which of those conditions are fixed, which are variable, and which can be directly influenced by the actions of the resistors or their adversaries? Phase 2. Strategy Development 1. Develop a grand strategy for the overall conflict. Identify the objective of the struggle in clear, specific terms. Calculate in general terms how the nonviolent struggle should operate in order to achieve that objective. This is the broad, long-term master concept for the conduct of the struggle, coordinating and directing all appropriate and available resources of the struggle group. 2. Can the primary objective of the conflict be achieved in a single all-out campaign? If so, plan how to do that. If not, the struggle will need to be deliberately phased to include more limited campaigns for secondary but important objectives. 3. Develop strategies for individual campaigns for more limited objectives to be obtained during the course of struggle. This is where the broad framework of the grand strategy becomes more detailed to answer the who, what, where, when and how in the planning of a particular campaign in the conflict. 4. Select specific short-term tactics and individual methods of action that will implement the chosen strategy. It is very important to select tactics and methods carefully within the framework of a particular strategic campaign, and only after one has developed a grand strategy. Nonviolent methods that can be selected include those of protest and persuasion, non-cooperation and intervention. Some will work better than others in different situations, depending largely on the grand strategy and overall objective, the strategic estimate and the objective of the individual campaign. Some methods will be more capable than others of restricting 
and severing the regime's sources of power. 5. Ensure that the adopted strategic plan is harmonious in its objective, types of pressures to be applied, and selected tactics and methods. Phase 3. Capacity Building 1. Ensure that the selected strategies for the struggle are within the capacity of the population to implement. If they are not, deliberate efforts will be needed to strengthen the population's capacity, or the strategies will need to be modified. 2. Strengthen organizations and institutions that are outside the opponent's control, especially if the grand strategy calls for using these independent bodies during the struggle for applying non-cooperation and defiance. 3. Plan for third-party assistance, but do not rely on it. Phase 4. Open Struggle 1. Concentrate the resistor's strengths against the opponent's weaknesses to gain selected objectives according to the grand strategy, strategy and selected methods especially in restricting and severing the opponent's sources of power. 2. Ensure that the strategic plan is applied in a disciplined way, without violence that will weaken the resistance. 3. Ensure that the struggle activities help to empower the resistors. 4. Ensure the resistors' access to critical resources. 5. Keep the opponents off balance. 6. Defy the opponent's repression, but stick to one's own forms of struggle. 7. Act rather than react. Maintain the initiative and momentum. The struggle should be conducted on the terms of the resistance group not the opponents. 8. Continuously reassess and evaluate the conduct of the struggle according to the strategic plan. Phase 5. Conclusion of the conflict. 1. Success, failure, or mixed results. 2. Conduct a post-conflict assessment and plan for the future. These are only elementary notes for the application of strategic nonviolent struggle. For more detailed recommendations for strategic planning, see the book Waging Nonviolent Struggle, 20th Century Practice and 21st Century Potential by Gene Sharp. End of chapter 3